Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. Before we get started, we just wanted to make a quick announcement. If you haven't already seen on social media, Alex and I have signed a contract. We've sold out. And we are now a part of Big Heads Media um, Network, Podcast Network. And so with that, we will be bringing some changes to the show over the next week or so. We will be adding advertisements and some other changes. And, um, you know, hopefully this is a big step for us. We're hoping that the network gives us connections to help improve our content and bring you guys better sh- a better show overall. And we're really excited about the opportunity. So um, we just wanted to get that out of the way, and I'll let Alex, if Alex has anything to add, I'll throw it to him. No, nothing to add. Really both excited okay. about it, and uh, we look forward to it. All right. Well, in much less exciting news, we, of course, have the post-match of the Norwich game. 2-0 loss at home at Goodison Park, and I'll throw it to our special guest for the day, Jerry Gibson. Jerry, firstly, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back on. Secondly, where do you fall now, 24 hours post-Norwich? loss uh first of all thanks for having me having me again guys really appreciate it good to talk to you um wish it was uh under cheerier circumstances uh you know i will say it's pretty cheery that you guys have have uh had the opportunity to do a little little selling out so congrats on that that is awesome uh that is that is great news no it's hard work guys and uh you're doing great work, and I think all the all the listeners out there are appreciating are appreciating it. So, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome news there. Uh, but then to go to the other end, um, yeah, yesterday was was difficult. Um, the uh, the match was, you know, we've talked a little bit off of recording about how it was kind of a toothless performance from Everton, and uh, the fact that the club haven't really come out and made any announcements. It seems like uh, there's a pretty good likelihood that Silva's gonna gonna be staying. Um, at least for, for a little while. Uh, so, so yeah, guys, I, I'm a little, I'm a little befuddled because I don't really have a very good argument for why he should now. And I've always been kind of a let's support the manager kind of guy. So, you know, actually, that's, that's really a good point. And it may be not, uh, a factor of anything else other than instead of why do I want him to leave? You know, what maybe the better question is, you know, how can I defend the fact that Marco Silva is still here? Or why would I want him here is a better question. Unfortunately, it, the players just did not look like they knew or believed in what they were doing yesterday. Sidibe specifically, I think it was like the 50th minute in which he got roasted once again. It was an awful awful display from him personally, but he legitimately looked like he gave up. Yeah, it was a really poor performance against a Nord side who were bottom of the table. Now, having lost all three newly promoted sides, two of which at home, I think that above anything else sort of is an indictment on Silva. We've had some okay times under him. I think it's been generally pretty disappointing given the investment that's gone into the squad, given the talent that we all know is there. I know, and some fans might even say that, you know, the players are, and the players are culpable as well, but I think it all comes to the leadership from the manager. And there just doesn't seem to be much fight, much passion. He seems to be, frankly, a dead man walking at this point. And, you know, the one thing that maybe would have or you could have said about Marco Silva is that when teams come to play against us, we tend to play better against teams that will open up and and do all those things. 
and Norwich were pressing fairly high and, you know, they, they have a profile of a team. They play a style that is much more open and advanced as we talked about with Patty at midweek, but they don't really have the, so the squad depth or like quote unquote, the talent. Um, so, you know, you combine those two factors where it's a team that plays open, which we should theoretically perform well against and a team at the bottom of the table, you know, not going to set up and, and park the bus. And yet we still weren't able to really even create any super significant chances. And we had some 18 shots and it didn't really feel like we ever threatened him cruel in net significantly. And I think when you have that many shots, you've got to have some on target, but I think our XG for last match was something like 0.5, which again, at home, a frustrating thing to watch for everyone. And this seemed, this felt very monumental in the sense that, you know, the you're getting sacked in the morning being sung and all of those things. It, it's really, really hard to see a situation where Marco Silva stays in his role after that performance. Yeah. I, it, to be honest with you, I, I was thinking about, about why. Uh, and, and I think the only argument that I feel like I can develop for, for why, why you keep him is that you're putting any manager who comes in under in a, in a difficult situation when you've got them. Okay. We've got, we've got Lester coming up. We've got the Derby coming up and it's not the easiest prep. It's not the easiest start for anybody who would be coming in. Uh, however, you could also look at it as, okay, new manager, new energy. How's that going to look? You know, sometimes the new manager brings a, a fresh outlook it reinvigorates everything and it's all of a sudden you're, you're, you've got this new electricity kind of surging through everything. So it could be a good thing. Um, then again, you look at Richarlison. How is Richarlison going to be affected if, if Silva leaves? Uh, because that's like, you know, kind of a father figure to him. It's just a strange situation, guys. It's so strange to be in this. It is. Yeah. And Richarlison's a good point. And it's, it's a scary point to make because. He's one of our most prominent players for sure. Like that's not even an argument to be made. And it, it's only scary because of the fact that in terms of the team itself and, and play is the fact that our December fixture list that's coming up in a week is literally horrendous. And so while a new manager or a caretaker manager can indeed inject some energy and some, some belief into a team that's in a very low state like we are at the moment, it just makes it even higher stakes because you don't want to fire him and then have a new manager come in and do worse, which is very likely against the teams that we're about to play. Yeah. We're four points above the relegation zone at the moment. So, I mean, it's really hard to envision and the table's tight. We've talked about it. We're, we're not that far off of sixth place still somehow by some miracle, given <laughs> I think everyone else is performing almost as terribly as us. You know, you look at all the other clubs that are in turmoil right now. I just have questions about whether the board has a replacement lined up. It seems like the the main argument for Silva to stay is simply that we, who else do we bring in? And I think that's been kind of the argument for him for a while now, because even though there have been results here and there that have turned positively for us, the trend has just, we revert to the same, same old, same old. And yesterday was that to a T where we've watched that Everton performance probably more than a dozen times since Marco Silva took over. And within 15, 20 minutes of the match, you knew exactly what was going to happen. It was clear as day to anyone watching that there was really no intent in the Everton side. We weren't able, we weren't looking powerful. We weren't looking threatening in any capacity. 
And to even just take it back to the lineup selection, because I think the injuries do play a really big role. And I think if you don't talk about the injuries, you're kind of, you're, you're not getting the full picture. And Marco Silva has had basically a skeleton crew in midfield now with Andre Gomes and um, Gabamin both injured. Two guys who would start week in, week out. We've got Fabian Delph still injured. There's just, there's a, there's a lot that he can't control in that regard. But that lineup that was out there today, there's really, I don't think there's any excuse for, being unable to score at home against again a side that's conceded a lot of goals this year, so it's 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 a really it's just really frustrating. It's a frustrating time. Fans are angry, especially the the atmosphere at the at Goodison yesterday was toxic, no question about it. When you have when you have the home fans booing, it's never a good sign, and it and it makes me kind of cringe just watching it through the TV to hear that because you know what that does to the players. That's not gonna. That doesn't galvanize a team in any way. You have to t- you have to take that into consideration. Like from within ten minutes, the crowd was the crowd from the get go. I mean, first of all, the siren, the decision to play the sirens before was a little odd. Maybe get the crowd up, but then it was like a Morgan there for large stretches of the game. Yeah, that's actually a really good point about the siren. I did not even think about that to be honest, but that is pretty cringeworthy against the last place team at home at Goodison Park. And it obviously, as you said, did not get the crowd on their feet. The crowd did. I think that they did try. They really tried to play a part in energizing the players. You know, when when I remember specifically a couple times in which Theo Walcott worked pretty hard, you know, I think he forced um, one of the defenders to boot it. And, you know, they were clapping and they were cheering and they were trying to push them on and reward them for for a nice move or hard work. But at the end of the day, I mean, the players still didn't perform, but again, they, they just didn't look like they knew what they were doing, or maybe they didn't believe in what they were doing. They felt that it just seems like it's written all over their faces sometimes that they feel like they should be doing something else or could be playing better if they did something else. And that's just terrible to me. And and I think the worst part is the fact that a lot of fans came into this season thinking that we could legitimately push for fourth, fifth, sixth place because of the fact that we went on an amazing run at the end of last season. And now we're sitting in, I don't know what, I think still 15th. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and so you're, I'm just sitting here like, what is happening? Why am I promised something, a new project every two years? And then every two years we're sitting in the, the last seven, the last three quarters of the table, or I guess whatever percentile that is, I'm trying to say it a little <laughs> better, but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, it's just really disappointing to me. Yeah, you look at that first half. There was, uh, I feel like if, if you're going to say one team was asserting themselves on the game, it's Norwich. Uh, Everton did not look assertive in any way. It looked like we, we were more reactive. Um, we had a little flurry in the first half, which was, which, you know, was nice and it gave you, gave you a little faith. Um, and then finally when we got to the second half, I mean, we had, uh, you mentioned it earlier. I believe James mentioned the 18 shots. Um, I feel like every single one of those got blocked at like, you know, five yards yep. in front of the shot. <laughs> it was like they knew coming. So, uh, it was a lack of incisive, clear cut chances on goal. And almost every single one of those opportunities, they were back. They were back. Uh, they were, they were set. Their defense was set, which is why they were able to, to block. And, and it was, it, that means to, that says to me predictability. They're, they know you're coming. They know you're there. All right. Even if even if they are bunkering back, which let's be honest, that team wasn't really bunkering back, though. So, again, that screams predictability to me. 
And when that happens, that we, we were screaming about this all season long because Gilfie was starting at the center attacking mid position and everything was shunting off to the right. And you, we were talking about it yesterday, guys, about how we're just lumping balls into the middle and it was the most predictable attack ever. Okay. And, and, and what seemed to throw that off is when we threw Iwobi in for Gilfie at that, that center attacking mid position, he was creating a lot more chances. Uh, he was un- not afraid to sit there. And, and I don't think Gilfie was particularly awful yesterday. I thought he combined well, mm. played some nice little through balls. He was all right, you know, but it was, there was something about our mindset that was just so predictable. And I feel like we are much more dynamic when we've got Iwobi at that position and then we bring Gilfie in later. Yes, I agree. And you know what? The other, the other thing I was thinking about, which was a good point, or I guess kind of to piggyback off your point about Iwobi coming in and creating chances. It felt like Awobi was literally the only player in a blue shirt on the pitch that was demanding the ball. Yeah. It felt like nobody else wanted the ball. And that brings me back to about two years ago or so, when that's essentially all the fan base talked about for months. Just nobody on the pitch wants the ball. Um, I'll say, I guess, actually, Seamus Coleman did as well. And, and, and it was good to see him back on the pitch and really trying to spur the, the guys on. But yeah, I think, I think tomorrow, I mean, excuse me, yesterday kind of settled it for me. Awobi needs to be playing in the center of the pitch at the moment and not Gilfie Sigurdsson. And, and it pains me to say it, but it's true. And and I was happy with what I saw from Iwobi, and I thought that his attitude was really good, really needed. Um, and, and I'm glad that we have him around at the moment. Yeah, and it's just so bizarre with Marco Silva knowingly, you know, on the ropes to revert to the lineup that he chose. Um, the Southampton match while we came away with the win, it was far from convincing. And so to not make any changes, um, it it just strikes me as sort of narrow-minded, I guess, because the results matter. Ultimately, the, the result is what you make your money on as a manager. You have to get results. But that result was far from convincing. And I still think that, you know, you saw yesterday, as soon as Alex Iwobi came on, you saw what he brings to the side. He brings creativity. He's not afraid to to hold the ball and, and wait for others to make runs and feed them. And furthermore, the decision to start Cenk Tosin, who I think in the mind of most fans is our third choice striker at best right now. Yes, Moise, I mean, Moise Keane, nowhere to be found yet again, continues to be very frustrating. If nothing else, like play the, try something different. And if it fails, I think the fans are more inclined to to give you the benefit of the doubt because at least it shows that you're, you're self-aware to the point where you know that, that changes are needed, but to continuously roll out the same lineup or similar similar lineup when there's, like you said, you're toothless. It continues to be toothless, and it's it doesn't look like changing. It just it just is so frustrating because there's only so much you can do tactically, game game by game, to change things. But you change the personnel, and that immediately shifts the the dynamics of the team so significantly. And I think when we've been best at times is when we've we have. Marcus Silva has pulled the trigger and made those changes and it just seems to bring new life into the team. So the fact that he didn't do that, I think again is just an indictment on him as a manager further indictment. If you, if you weren't out on Marco Silva yet, I think <laughs> it's almost universal at this point that you are. Yeah. The striker situation is a weird one, isn't it? Because we've got, we've got, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Jing Tosin is getting, is getting the minutes because he combines well and he, and he's got a high work rate. It's strange because I feel like he had two decent shots on goal. One was that absolute bullet that Shocker got blocked. 
Um, it was that was second half, and his other one. I'm trying to remember if it was second. No, it was first half. I, actually, I can't remember. He just kind of you saw him check when he was receiving the ball, check his shoulder. The ball goes through, and he just puts it on a line to the far post, and it's about a foot or two off. Um, it's not the worst shot in the world, and it's pretty intelligent in in the fact that he was thinking to shoot so quickly. Um, but he's weird because he's the slowest of our three strikers. You know, he's the one that's going to, going to, his pressing is probably the least effective of the three. Um, he, it's it, again, but he may be the most clinical. Uh, and I, and I'm wondering, is it a striker thing? That's why I, I keep going back to, to the fact that I feel like our personnel is not like we've got the pieces, but it's, it's Silva not reading the moments right who to put where. I, I just think if we start with Roby in that central center attacking mid position, I just think we win that game yesterday. It's just a different energy. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's really frustrating because you feel, you feel powerless when you're like, gosh, we created some chances. You know, we, we looked like for the, the second half, I thought we looked like the stronger squad, but the fact that it was like, it was just beating against someone with a spear without a, without a head on it. You know, it was, it was the most frustrating thing. You're like, where's the, where's the incision? There's nothing that will cut mm-hmm. in. Oh gosh. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting frustrated thinking about it here, bro. Gentlemen. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So so let's so let's kind of transition from the match to now Marco Silva as the main talking point. As we know, right, we just said it, results have not been good enough. Uh some could argue our results last season were not good enough. So we're here now, it's been about a year and a half. You know, obviously Marcel Brands and Marco Silva work together to, to sign players. I feel like Recruitment has not necessarily been the issue. You could say the striker um, decision to sign a 19-year-old vice, someone older, more experienced, that could, quote-unquote, guarantee you a certain amount of goals a season, could have been an issue, um, along with the center-back thing. But do we feel like, you know, it's it's about 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, the day after the match, are we surprised that we have not gotten an official notification from the club yet about our managerial position? No, I guess I'm not surprised. I think there's there's a lot of things that need to go down behind the scenes before you're able to make that type of announcement. Namely, I think if, again, you can't just fire Marco Silva with no backup plan. So I think if if it is the board's decision to move forward with removing Silva, then they will hopefully have their ducks in a row and have a replacement lined up prior to doing so and not just sack him. I mean, it's important to get him out, but it could get really, really disastrous if there's no backup plan in place. And so who do we bring in? I mean, there's been talk of David Moyes. I'm not sure where either of you land on that, but for me, that would just be just just so classic Everton in a way, but it just it just reeks of like not having a, a forward-thinking mindset where you're trying to to revert back to a a not too distant past where I mean Moyes is the the last manager that we didn't have to fire so it's like okay is he the just the immediate person that we bring in when times are tough but it, there's there's a lot of managers that are out of a job right now talk of Mauricio Pochettino I don't think there's any realistic scenario where he would be able to be convinced to come to Everton but I don't know where do you guys land on on the David Moyes thing firstly uh, uh gosh it feels disrespectful to Moyes but let's be honest he was talking behind Everton's back for a while 
to get the, uh, to get the United job. So I'm okay with a little bit of disrespect on David Moyes. Uh, but uh, honestly, I, I think I'm much cooler having this conversation if it's February and we are still in, in relegation fear because he seems to me like he, he's kind of a, a stopgap solution. The talk is hire him just till the end of the season. And I'm wondering, you know, okay, why, why are we not thinking about the plan? Where is the plan? Because Silva seemed like he was a plan. Young manager, a lot of ideas, had experience in the Premier League. It was somebody, we're not trying to just sign him till the end of the season. You know, that was somebody who was, they signed him with the intent, hey man, let's keep you on for a while. I want one of those people who wants to come on and make Everton their next big gig. You know, someone I I, I saw where uh, my buddy Paul, who comes on our podcast every once in a while, mm-hmm. mentioned Nico yep. Kovac, you know, and I'm like, that's not a bad shout. You know, that's not the worst shout. He's young. He has a lot of ideas. Did a great job with Frankfurt. You know, uh, had some personality clashes at, at Munich. Okay. But at least, I mean, there's there's a, a young manager with lots of ideas, bringing new ideas, instead of saying, hey, let's just hire this person. Let's not get relegated. And let's delay again. You know, sixth place, you guys mentioned, sixth place is not far off. This season is not done. This is not a wash. You know, I, I, I want some hope, damn it. <laughs> I do, <Amen>. you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm done on that. Sorry. <laughs> no, very well said. And actually, I, I 100% agree. I don't want an appointment unless it's the next appointment, not an appointment. So, very well said. Very good points as well because. I'm just getting impatient at the moment. I mean, I'm the type of person in which I watch every single match no matter what. I watched every single match Everton played under Sam Allardyce. I did it. Yes. I'll take one for the team. <laughs> but, <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I, I can't do it. I can't stop. You yeah, know? No, I don't I'm even like to turn matches off early, as unfortunate as that is. But for some reason, you know, I just, I'm getting impatient. But I... I'm actually, I would actually paint myself as somewhat surprised that he's not gone already and we haven't gotten the notification because a lot of fans were calling for it forever ago. And then we thought the last couple of matches we did okay. Um, the Andre Gomez and, and Sun thing kind of took over social media. Um, and, and pretty much many of Everton's fans thoughts for a couple weeks as well. And I think now it's kind of reared its, reared its ugly head again losing to the last place team at Goodison Park, uh, being played off the pitch by Todd, a.k.a. Iniesta Cantwell. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it needs to be the next appointment, but I, I still am pretty surprised only because I feel like, you know, some rumors could be true and they could have been planning this for like a month now, you know? Something tells me that's n- not the case, though. I feel like the board is, you know, the board, Fard Moshiri and, and Bill Kenwright are on record saying that they envision Marco Silva being the man to take us to the new, all the way to the new stadium and that he would still be manager at that time. How much of that has really changed in the last few weeks? I think even if they were somehow still thinking with that mindset, yesterday's reaction from the fans will have shifted that dramatically because if you lose the fans, it, it becomes just, an untenable position to be in. And 
I, you just can't, there's, you just can't have such a toxic home atmosphere week after week. And I believe Marco Silva was on record yesterday saying something along the lines of it's, it's a little easier for the team to play away right now, but it's like, okay, well, our away form sucks. So maybe that's misguided. And if the fans are, you know, turned at home, then you just, we need to get back to the, to the raucous Goodison atmosphere that allows us to get victory after victory and intimidate opposition. And that was a far cry from what we saw yesterday without a, without doubt. Um, so to kind of wrap things up here, I don't know. Does anyone have any, any final thoughts? It's going to be a big week. We could even hear something as soon as like right after we're done recording here. Um, what are we hoping for, for the next week or so from Everton? Wow. That's such a great question. <laughs> uh, if, if I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised we haven't heard anything just because it's Everton. If we were, if we were another club, I would be surprised. I feel like Everton's con, like, uh, their, their decisions always take a, a lot of time. They always wait until the last possible minute to be able to announce something. Um, it's just the way they do things. I don't know if that is caution or if that's being inept at the boardroom level, um, when it comes to making decisions and everything. Um, it, oh gosh, guys, I, I don't, I'm, I'm in the zone where I kind of, I kind of expect Silva to, to keep his job potentially up through the next match. But I, I gotta be honest right now. I am, I, I am hoping that there is a contingency plan and it's not just a contingency, contingency plan. It's the next plan. That's what I'm hoping for that they have a next plan and they're moving toward that and we'll get some sort of conversation about that. I wonder if I'm being a jerk though, because of all the injuries. That Silva's had to deal with James. You mentioned mm. it. It's hard. To, it's hard not to. We, it's it's easy to forget those. He has been in some dire straits when it comes to that stuff. But I'm sorry, Premier League, you got to deal with it. It's just the way it is. So that's what I'm hoping for, guys. That there's the next plan surfaces within I don't know within the next three or four days. That's what I'm hoping. So I I, I echo your sentiments, but I'm going to be pretty simplistic in my response. I'm hoping for hope. I just want to see something <laughs> That's so good. I like that, that gives me some sort of hope for the next match, for the next couple matches, for the next month. I don't know. I, you know, I, I want all of those things that you mentioned. I think we as, you know, fans deserve all of the things that you mentioned. But for me, I'm that low at the moment. That's, that's so well said. Hoping though. for hope. I love it. I think that's that might end up being our episode title. Yes. Yo, actually, it needs to be TM. Yeah. Merch coming soon. That, Merch coming soon. Yeah. That's also that, your Hallmark the movie. You know, then that sound like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Hoping for hope. <laughs> Christmas yeah. is here, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up on that note. On a on a slightly cheery ending to what was a pretty somber episode overall, but. Nonetheless, we really appreciate Jerry. Thank you for coming on. It's always great chatting with you and always appreciate your, your insight and your opinions. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate you guys are always nice, cool fellas with, uh, you know, always bringing some, some intelligence and thought to the conversation. You're doing great work here. So keep it up. Yes, likewise. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that a lot. All right, guys, we will be back with you midweek to talk some more, perhaps monumental developments as this saga unfolds before our eyes thank you for listening as always and until next time up the toffees
Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg/atp and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.